0: Hello Cachimbonas, I'm so excited to be bringing you episode 13 of season 5 of Radio Cachimbona. Radio Cachimbona is an abolitionist podcast that audio archives state repression and fierce migrant resistance in the southern Arizona borderlands and breaks down case law and politics from a leftist perspective. As a first generation professional whose parents are Salvadoran immigrants, Yvette prioritizes uplifting the voices and histories of Central Americans. On this episode, this repro rights abortion care themed episode, I brought back friend of the podcast, Eloisa Lopez, the executive director of Pro-Choice Arizona, to discuss the Supreme Court case, the Dobbs Supreme Court case, and Mississippi's approach to oral arguments in that case, what it signals about the future of abortion rights, the extremity of Amy Coney Barrett's views on abortion care, and the physical and mental trauma of pregnancy and childbirth particularly in places like Mississippi that has the country's highest maternal mortality rate. I hope that you all enjoy this episode. Thank you so much to the patrons and especially shout out to Arsale Rivera Cohen, who is a Gachimbona apoyadora and gets a monthly shout out on the podcast. If you also want to get shout out on the podcast, you can become a patron at patreon.com Gachimbona. If you're willing to give a little more, 5 to $10 a month, then you also get exclusive access to the lit reviews, which are... The club style chats that I have with fierce women of color over many topics. And I think that there's something for everyone to enjoy in the lit review. If you still want to support the podcast, but are unable to do so monetarily, which I completely understand because these times are economically difficult, one way, money-free way to support the podcast that still really, really helps is to leave an Apple podcast rating and review. And also, Leave a rating and review on Spotify. Thank you so much to the 10 people who left a five star review on the podcast on Spotify. Thank you so much. Those ratings really help with visibility and getting more people to listen to the podcast. So there's also always the great old fashioned way of supporting a podcast, which is just sending the episode to someone that you think will really enjoy it. So I think that is everything. I hope that you all enjoy this episode and thank you so much for listening. Chimbonas. I'm very excited to have Luisa Lopez back on the podcast today to again discuss reproductive justice as there have been some developments at the Supreme Court. But before getting into it, I just wanted to say thank you, Alisa for coming and ask how you're doing today.
1: Thanks, Yvette, for having me again. I'm doing really well this morning. There's a, there's a lot happening, but <laughs> centering our joy is still so important. So I'm having a good day.
0: I love that. That is so important. are you I am good I I I don't know if you know but I transitioned from a law job to a to doing journalism full-time I'm a staff writer for balls and strikes yeah so I have to get more comfortable being on the phone (laughs) which I don't know I mean I am comfortable talking to people obviously because I have this podcast but I don't know I think it's like a millennial psychological thing about the phone like I would just rather text or email you Mm -hmm. but I'm doing great I'm just like in the middle of my work day so that's what I'm thinking about I so uh, to get into the Supreme Court stuff I wanted to talk about Dobbs and the decision that came down and also ask about Mississippi's approach to argument so I wanted to ask like what it what does it signal what do you think it means that Mississippi changed its argument in the 11th hour before the dobbs scotus oral argument and then asked the Supreme Court to overrule Roe v. Wade altogether which is something that you know we had even mentioned on the podcast last time as like a longer term possibility but it I think it is shocking that they did it now um, and not years from now. So, um, what do you, what does that signal to you?
1: Well, I think something that we fail to give credit to or or bring up kind of uh, more recent is how well organized the opposition has been, right? And they continue to be very well organized, and so this was all part of their bigger strategic plan about changing the courts and then being able to bring forward cases, knowing that there are new justices on the bench who do have very strong opinions about abortion. And so for them to, it's like really no surprise that they got their case in front of the justices. And then at the last minute, they're like, but wait, this is what we really want. Right. And that's been the plan all along.
0: Well, because what changed in the meantime is that Amy Coney Barrett was added to the Supreme court. So they saw their opportunity and took it.
1: Yeah. And the judges, you know, throughout their confirmations, pretty vocal, their history. We knew what they were doing. And that's why it was very alarming. Um, We knew that this would be the next steps to get cases in front of the court where they had a high high chance of of just straight up asking to overturn Roe. And that's where we're at now. And we have heard from these justices their thoughts on that.
0: Well, I think Amy Coney Barrett during her confirmation hearing was very shifty, but she has a long track record anyway of being very vocal on this issue of abortion.
1: Yes. And and even the comments about like adoption, right? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That
0: was so terrible.
1: It is. That was that was
0: very extreme. Yes.
1: And so we see what they want instead. And yet they continually fail to recognize like, no, adoption is not an option. Like, that's not the option we should be pushing onto people, right? Like, forcing people to still go through an entire pregnancy and birth experience, which is emotional, it's physically traumatic, Mm -hmm. it can be psychologically overwhelming, right? And then think that adoption is just so easy to do
0: yeah so what we're referring to is that during an oral argument during one of the abortion cases i actually- oh, it was Dobbs actually that Amy Coney Barrett was asking questions in a way that implied that she thought that what Roe and Casey stood for is that you can't force someone to be a parent, but you can't but like so that doesn't include pregnancy. <laughs> which is actually very bizarre yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. And so she's kind of, she was trying to argue that being pregnant is not a burden to the person who's pregnant, which is insane to try and argue, especially for someone who's been pregnant seven times. Like that's really crazy to say that.
1: Right. It's like, yeah, she has gone through the experience herself. Like She knows. She Yeah, she does know. And, I think that's even what's more alarming. There is a multitude of women and people with uteruses who still like have this idea that it is so easy to just like go through this and that it's not this like life changing experience that can have serious negative consequences when it is being pushed and forced upon people.
0: Right. And not everybody that's having sex wants to undergo that.
1: Right. We should. I mean, just even the thought of alone, right? When you find out you're pregnant and you didn't want that or it was not planned, right? Right. That causes so much immediate stress in people. And then to think that you're going to carry that for nine months because the end outcome will be you all of a sudden are not attached to this baby that you're born. You can give it up, right? You're not a parent. Like that's just not how this works.
0: Well, also the elephant in the room was that we're talking about Mississippi, which is a state that has the highest, the maternal mortality rate is the highest in the U S and obviously this particularly impacts black women and other women of color. So it's, I mean, it, it is actually quite, it's literally life threatening and Amy Quinnipier, this white woman who's rich and privileged in many ways has, is trying to say that pregnancy is not a burden to poor Mississippians. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She is so far removed from the lived experiences of people in these communities. She will never understand um, what it is like to be a Black woman in that state that's extremely hostile, that has even a high risk of death with continuing right. Right. That for her to say those kind of comments, um, you know, it's all rooted in racism and it's Mm -hmm. it's rooted with disregarding uh, people who already suffer these disparities and they are in communities that don't even have resources to, to protect their health and well-being.
0: Right. Which is why I think it's I always love bringing you on to talk about this, because, you know, this isn't just about the right to abortion. This actually is about reproductive justice, which, you know, includes fixing this maternal mortality rate, you know, getting us to a place where black women and other women of color and people who are pregnant mm-hmm. can raise children safely and can raise children, you know, without having to worry about, you know, if they carry their pregnancy to term, will they die Or, you know, also like all the other inequalities that exist within the state of Mississippi, you know.
1: Right. It's, I think it's so, it's just like such a stark image to think of like the the state that's asking to overturn Roe also has the highest maternal mortality rate. Like the logic there, right? Yes. Clearly it's not already working right now for pregnant women. And then you're asking to severely take away their options, right? Like. That it's just gonna it's gonna be really scary for those communities.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. But I mean, it's just like a complete disregard for the pregnant person, right? It's just like we don't care if you die. We right. you should be forced to carry this pregnancy to term.
1: Yes, because we know that the white privileged people with resources will always be able to access abortion, whether it is yeah. legal mm-hmm. or not in their state. Right. It is it is the mm-hmm. people of color, especially the Black communities, um, the Native communities mm-hmm. who don't even have healthcare resources to begin with, right. that are going to be hit the hardest.
0: Definitely. Arizona is one of eight states that has a pre row ban. Can you explain what that Arizona law says and who it criminalizes?
1: Yeah, so this very outdated law that is still in yeah. our books. Doesn't- from 1903, right? And the fact that it's still sitting there, right, is is because we need to be concerned about this. We do not see currently any elected official like really trying to get rid of this off the books for us. But um, this law criminalizes, it just states a person, right, who provides supplies or administers to a pregnant woman. Whether it be medicine, drugs, substances, whether they use an instrument to cause a miscarriage, unless it's needed to save her life, they will be punished with prison time, no less than two years, no more than five. The fact That's that it's wild. just a person, literally, can be anyone. It's not right. Like that I'm could
0: be a good pharmacist good. selling a dr- selling the drugs, right, or a doctor that well, because no, a pharmacist wouldn't give it to you, but a doctor that prescribed it to you, right.
1: Yes, it could be It could be a doctor. It could be anyone who sells it to you. Mm-hmm. It could even go further beyond, right? Like just- Right, because like it something. includes
0: birth control in the language, right?
1: Well, there's a whole, there's another law too. Oh, the oh great. Oh, talks about birth control, but the pre-Roe law that criminalizes anyone who supports abortion in any way, right? Like mm-hmm. that can extend to- even a family member. And also right. what, we see happen, yes. what we see happen often is just, we, we see people get criminalized for a pregnancy outcome. So if yeah. you can broaden the scope to, you know, if your miscarriage seems suspicious, now mm-hmm. you can be criminalized for that. Right. So yeah. I think this, this law really can target anyone. We should be very worried about it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because also like other states have actually already criminalized pregnant people who had miscarriages. It's a way to criminalize people who are pregnant. And then it's really just punishing people for the lack of access to healthcare and like prenatal resources.
1: Yeah. And then there's the other law that talks about birth control. And it's so outdated, too, because there's been so many new methods of birth control that's come onto the market. So it's very unclear, like, what exactly are you targeting here? And also just to even have birth control criminalized or targeted, like that is a very wild idea. Like we are Mm. really stripping away the resources for people to have whatever control they can over their reproductive autonomy and you know it's very obvious that the state and the opposition has no interest in trying to to support pregnant people and to support families they just want to create the shame and burden for a large population of people
0: yeah definitely definitely what will happen in Arizona and the other states if Roe indeed is overturned?
1: So if Roe is overturned, I think it's very likely that an Arizona abortion would become illegal and any form of assistance to a person who's seeking abortion could would be criminalized. But the laws on the books, they could be revived in one of two ways in our state and in other states. Mm-hmm. Um, in some states, the ban was like bans were never declared unconstitutional or they weren't blocked by the courts. And if Roe is limited or overturned, the state officials could seek to enforce it
0: mm, just right and, away.
1: Yeah. And, and then in other states where the courts have blocked or limited a pre-Roe ban mm-hmm. based on the decisions, the officials could file court actions and ask the courts to activate the ban. If Roe was severely eroded or you know uh, repealed altogether, Mm. so we do know that like pretty much at least 22 states have a type of trigger ban, and yeah, it's all concentrated like in the center of our country. Really, it hits the southern, the Midwest, and Southwest states extremely hard, and we know these areas are also highly concentrated with people of color and people right. who already are economically disenfranchised and already suffer, you know, from lack of resources. And it's going to be, you know, right now what we see with Texas, like people migrating out of Texas. And fortunately the next state over has a type of resource available for them. But when you're going to be concentrated in the middle of the country and like, all the states around you are also banned. Right. Like, what is the likelihood of you being able to reach California, or New York, or Washington to go get an abortion? It's right. it's going to be nearly impossible for people to access care.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it just that adds just such a burden on on terms of cost and money, um, cost and time. Sorry for people who already are marginalized economically and i i think it's important to say that like us talking about birth control or us talking about these laws being enforced again aren't like us just hand wringing because like we're just going off of what the various supreme court justices have said and done so far and how things have played out in texas and how it seems like they're going to play out in mississippi Overturning Roe implicates a bunch of other cases that are about privacy and autonomy. And that literally includes birth control. There was a case that, you know, that codified that people have the right to like family plan as they will. And the courts don't have any say in that. Same with like, gay sex. And then the, these were kind of like the, the precursors to, yeah, a lot of the privacy and autonomy cases that we take for granted today. And mm-hmm. these cases were mentioned, like the, the justices were like, well, if we overturn Roe, like what happens to these other cases? Yeah. And it's quite scary, because it's like, we know how they feel about those cases too. Mm -hmm. And I think that the over the signaling of overturning rows, like actually has a, has broader implications for privacy and autonomy.
1: Yes. And once they're overturned, it will be so difficult to get them back. Right. Like, yeah, I, I think people, they might have this idea of like, Oh, it won't be that bad. Right. But actually it, it will be very, very harmful because look at look at the makeup of the court right now, right? Like, what they decide will have serious long term consequences for our country and the people. And the goal is to not lose it to then fight back for it, right? Like, so it, you know, really protecting what's already standing is so important.
0: In terms of protecting what is important, do you believe that the Democrats will be able to pass a bill codifying the right to abortion nationwide if SCOTUS does overturn Roe?
1: I, I'm not going to put so much faith in that, right? Yeah, (laughs) I I feel like, let's see you make the efforts. But we see how that also goes with with Congress and the Senate. And it is so difficult right now to pass anything between the sides. And also, even within the Democratic Party, there is still not an agreement on like what, what they do want to protect with abortion, right? Yeah, like like what their agenda is. Right. We want abortion without any limitations, right? Exactly. Without any restrictions. We yeah. want the full access to it. We want it to be affordable. I mean, make it free for people, right? Like just yeah. get it protected because it is a human right for us. Mm-hmm. and It is severely impacting our lives. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, I feel like those folks are so far removed sometimes from the reality of people. And oh, yeah, The the game of compromising is not working and it has not been working, right? So I feel, you know, with the Women's Health Protection Act, it's nice to see that they introduce things like that, but I think the likelihood of something actually passing is probably slim, but we'll see, right? So what I do, what does bring me hope is seeing states on the state's level, you know, ensuring those protections stay.
0: Yeah, and I don't think that anything will be able to get passed if the filibuster isn't abolished because there's def like, as you- there's not even consensus within the Democratic Party of exactly like what it is that they're fighting to protect. And then the, like the GOP is just way, way, way <laughs> on the other side yeah. of things. It's become such a polarizing and like hot button issue for the far right. And I don't see them giving up that bone anytime soon. So the Mississippi and and the states who joined as friends of the court uh, who want Roe overturned argue that it should be because the Constitution is, quote, neutral on the issue of abortion. So it should like just doesn't speak on it either way. And states should be allowed to decide what they want to do with this, like if they want to protect the right to abortion or not. What would you say to that?
1: Well, we have the right to privacy, right? And so yeah. that includes her right to our pregnancy and to keep that information private and to decide what we want to do. So I think when states argue this, they are dismissing that existing right and the human right. And if we have states who, again, like the infrastructure of systems to support maternal health care, if they are essentially like non-existent, those are the areas we need to be focusing on. Right. And so I, yeah, I fully, fully think like the right to privacy is, is what needs to be at the forefront here.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. And I also think it's just kind of a silly argument to make because it's like, Oh, like, li- like literally the word abortion wasn't in the constitution. I mean, that's kind of what you're arguing, right? Because like the justices who are charged with interpreting the Constitution and telling us what it means have actually said that it's a right, a constitutional right already. Like this has actually already been decided. And so to, they're just trying to rewind the clock. And, yes. But they're trying to be clever about it. <laughs>
1: True. And it's, you know, they're trying to see if they have an advantage right now with a new makeup on the court. Yeah. And it's no
0: doubt that they do, as oral arguments show. I mean, Roberts is moderate now, apparently.
1: Right. And and Roberts has also expressed like, you know, we need to be cautious with these kind of things of overstepping what's already been ruled on. And so
0: well, he it, wants it, to overturn Roe. He just wants to do it slowly. He just wants to do it in five years instead of right now right and that's how he's a moderate so yeah it's really scary i mean i i don't think i i think you know just even on this issue alone i don't think that we're gonna get anywhere with this court as it stands so something about it needs to change
1: yes um and i i agree we're we're not gonna get anywhere with this existing makeup of the court um but the alternatives do feel really scary right like even bouncing the power back down to the state level we we know these 22 states at least would just make it illegal so i feel like we're in a really tough position right now
0: yeah no definitely there is there isn't a path forward that it feels easy to go down
1: no and unfortunately it's really going down the path of do we have to witness a lot of harm and death among people oh to then actually, like, take this matter seriously and right. to realize, like, the direction that people have been pushing for is, is, has never been the solution to this? Right. But, you know, I'm also shocked just even seeing Texas and how long SB8 is still standing and being in That's the thing. Yeah. Right? Like, that... Right. We're seeing already on a micro level what the country will be experiencing. Yeah. And it's still standing right now and it's still being accepted. Yeah, I'm just like, what needs to happen for, for people to realize like abortion needs to remain a legal option? Right. I think the
0: only justice that is really doing the issue, justice, haha, is Justice Sotomayor because she's the only person that's been talking about this from the perspective of the pregnant person and you know she she's asked her i you know she asked this during or argument but i feel like this was definitely for the public and for her fellow justices because she was like will this court be able to survive this stench yeah. of you know this accusation that we're politically motivated <laughs> after right. this very clearly politically motivated case has is being decided And the fact that SB 8 has been allowed to stand is that in itself is testament to how extreme the situation is right now. Like this right, this constitutional right has been suspended in a state as big as Texas for a long time. You know, I think if it was like any of the other kind of like kind of settled precedent constitutional rights that were suspended, people you know, probably something that implicates people other than women and people with uteruses, then I think there would be more alarm, but it's, yeah, it's very extreme that they, that the Supreme court allowed the, the Texas law to stay in place because there's so many legal principles that would, that like should tell a justice to rule the other way. Like, there's a reliance interest on the abortion right. Like, people expect, and you know, because of decades of having this right, people have come to expect this in their lives, that they can plan their families, that they can have abortions whenever they want. That's that's something that should outweigh, like, the state just wanting to shut the right down.
1: <laughs> right. And
0: And it's, yeah, and like these conservatives who like go on and on about history and tradition are just so full of shit. Because this this is an issue that's been long settled, and yeah. history and tradition like would dictate that you wouldn't overturn Roe or Casey.
1: Right, and just because we bring in some new justices doesn't mean that we should even be you know we shouldn't even be entertaining these kind of cases that come forward to the court that right. are typically positioned to challenge Roe and Casey.
0: Well, the Supreme Court can choose what cases they take, so. Like they and it's because they have such they have a conservative majority, they can decide to take dumbass cases like this, you know? It's a very wild theatrical performance they're putting on for us.
1: Right. And the fact too that just what someone's pregnancy outcome is has nothing to do with the lives of other people. It's like you know, why are we yeah. so concerned with knowing like people will be, you know, forced to to have children? Like, why is that such an issue when our country shows us over and over again that, and we talked about this on that last episode, right? Like based on the agenda of the government, they will control our reproductive freedom. Yeah you know, and our autonomy, whether it's like forced sterilization or people to give birth, right? So it's just like, when it's when they approve of how they want to treat our bodies and our reproductive health, then that's acceptable for them. But it's not acceptable for us to take that power into our own hands.
0: Right. And I think it's important to emphasize that this is like a far right issue that is being politicized for nefarious purposes like this actually isn't as controversial of an issue as the GOP would have you believe. There's polls that have been done recently that show that 60% of Americans think that abortion should be legal and that people should have access to abortion easily. And so (laughs) that is also why it's very wild that the unelected group of octogenarians Mm-hmm. silver spoon justices are are doing this it's like the least democratic branch is doing this
1: and and men right like men who yeah. are coming up like with Texas you know well,
0: plus Amy Coney Barrett can't forget her shout yes. out <laughs> But in terms of like, no, but really, but really, yeah, man,
1: yeah, the, the people who bring forward these kind of laws and introduce right. them on the state levels, like Texas right. was organized by a male and, you know, the extremist pro-life parties, right? So it's just, it's, it's very alarming. But I wanted to bring up, I'm not sure if you've seen, and I just saw it this morning in my email, but now even Arizona, so we had our own genetic ban passed this year, um, this last legislative session, SB 1457. And the ban for the genetic abnormality provision of this bill, which includes so much has been temporarily blocked while it's still in the courts. But Arizona, the state has now asked the Supreme Court to overturn that temporary block because they saw... (laughs) Texas, you know, get right, that green light. so right now we're seeing our own state, right? Like, we are also in our own battle and i don't think it gets spotlighted enough and there's a lot of people in our state who don't even know that we had our own band pass but Mm -hmm. we're gonna see what comes of this and just as um is it elena kagan is that how you pronounce elena kagan yeah yeah Um, she's the one who will be
0: (laughs) i like that you like like gave her name like a little spanish twist (laughs)
1: you know i do that with everyone
0: (laughs) i love that actually
1: do that with everyone just i don't know and um yeah i could be so wrong
0: well this is kind of a tangent but when sotomayor was being confirmed there were these news commentators who like literally preoccupied themselves about how we were going to pronounce her name and if we were going to pronounce it sotomayor the correct way they were like this is going to threaten our american identity so i actually (laughs) love that you like in your own way without even knowing any of that context or resisting and just making everybody's name pronounced in Spanish. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Like, Eleni
0: Kagan. What about her?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, well, the state request is going to go to her. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we'll see what comes, but you know, I'm, I'm concerned that they let Texas through with this. And so yeah. we'll see what happens to Arizona soon.
0: Right. No. And the thing about, the, the stay or like the request to block the law while the litigation happens is it's it's something that's meant to stop irreparable harm and that's why I'm saying like all literally just you know a list of legal principles would tell you that you should block a law like that for, before you're like while you're litigating it which takes months and months and months because yeah this this is irreparable harm like regard you know despite Amy Coney Barrett trying to act like pregnancies. A casual three-day weekend like right. it's it it is a traumatic thing and like yeah you, it, it is irreparable harm that happens if you force undergo pregnancy and like and it's like when you think about what the state's arguing could possibly be i don't even know how they finagle that but it's like it's just absurd when you think about it that way when did the arizona ban pass and what At- does it say exactly
1: So SB 1457 passed this year, and Doug Ducey signed it in June, I believe, because our session got heavily extended. But so it is a genetic abnormality ban. So there is no like gestational limit, right? It's just flat out. If you find out your pregnancy and the fetus has a genetic abnormality, you are prohibited from having an abortion. Wow. Um, and that was the main core of the, of the law. And it was also really promoted as just, oh, it's just a genetic ban. But there was many other pro- provisions underneath it too, like granting a fetus personhood, which has not been blocked And is part of the litigation, right? And then also we had like a forced burial and (gasps) cremation for fetal tissue. Normally it was like in the second trimester, you had the option of burial or cremation, but now, you know, like a six week and eight week fetal tissue, you know, it just comes back down to shaming patients. 100%. Yeah. That's just trauma. That's traumatizing people. (laughs) But that got passed, and so now you know that is a question that every abortion patient is going to be experiencing if wow. they have a surgical abortion in a clinic.
0: Now it's there; it's up for a cert petition by for before the Supreme Court.
1: Yeah, on the state level, the judge had blocked the genetic ban, um, but I just received a notice this morning that the state is filing an emergency appeal, right? And is requesting for for that block to be removed, you know, while the litigation is still going on.
0: Yeah. It's just so infuriating what the GOP thinks is emergency and what's urgent. Like, God forbid we take climate change and think about that with urgency. No, no, no. We must focus on abortion care.
1: Yes. And, you know, their arguments is you know, the attorney general says that this would protect against coercive health practices that encourage people to obtain an abortion for genetic abnormalities, and it will protect the integrity and ethics of medical providers so that they can of of performing abortions for genetic abnormalities, right? But yeah, it's just, it is so complicated. And I'm sometimes, you know, just shocked at the level of Of disregard and ignorance, lack of education and lack of understanding and lack of empathy for, for people and these situations and like why this needs to, to be allowed and why we need to protect it. Right. Yeah. Sometimes in my day-to-day work, I'm just still like dumbfounded and blown away. Like, wow, this is still something we are fighting so hard for. Right. Right.
0: Those are actually all the questions that I had. I don't know if there's anything that we missed that you wanted to bring
1: up. I think that covered it. You know, I I think one of your questions, too, was just, like, if Roe was overturned, it wouldn't be that bad, right? And that goes, Oh, yeah, because,
0: yeah, they were like, well, it'll just be up. T-. I think yeah, we, yeah, because there's argument is that it'll be up to the states and, like, not everybody will, will overturn it immediately. Not everybody true. has trigger bans. That's what they're saying.
1: Yeah, but there's also a very slim amount of states that actually have it protected and are trying right. to withstand. And what we see happen with like, I, I think what people need to focus on is the way elections tend to go on the state level, right? We we are seeing continual attacks on our, our voting rights and other issues on state levels. And even just here in Arizona, right? Like our our candidates for governor are really not that great. <laughs> and like, right. I'm actually really concerned about uh, Carrie Lake and being like a Trump replica for our own state uh. who has come out hot just saying she will criminalize abortion. Right. Like, and so, you know, I I think it's kind of scary to bounce yeah. power back down to state levels, seeing how percent who the people are that can get elected so I, I, that's not the solution and for it to be just thrown around so easily right but then also acknowledging that even with row in place it has not been a support for yeah as it is that's also right. a problem with it
0: yeah exactly i mean that's this is all so true in arizona and access is already very restricted here which i think we, we touched on last episode so definitely agree with all that
1: I think that's it but I really appreciate you having this episode right like we're gonna see what comes out next yeah um, I think it's gonna be an intense intense new year right like my yeah. mind's not on holidays I'm already like what's gonna happen in January so
0: I know that's where my mind is too I feel like everybody's kind of getting there at this point I emailed somebody and they said that they're not checking their email for the rest of the year how um,
1: that's, that's so nice to be I know. able to mentally turn your mind off. Like I know. That. I
0: was like, okay, that's the boss bitch move right there.
1: I, <laughs> I mean, everyone, we deserve our rest and joy. I right. Do. But also I'm just like, oh, there's, there's so much that I think. I anticipate that's going to happen with this next legislative session for Arizona. Right. Republicans are going to hope we're not paying attention that we're super relaxed post holidays and they're going to come out with some really heavy stuff. I think.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Okay. Well we've
0: given people so much to look forward to in the new year. Love that. (laughs) Um, No, but seriously, thank you so much, Elisa, for coming on. I
1: really appreciate your perspective. Thanks, Yvette. Thank you so much for lifting up this issue. And again, so grateful for all the work you do with your podcast. Thank you. Bye, everybody.